Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talk's TV and movie show. This week on the show I talk to the cast of The Railway Children Return, including British acting royalty like Jenny Agatha, Sheridan Smith and Tom Courtney. Mark Ryle has all the week's new releases and comedy duo The Dirtbirds chat to me about their favourite movies. I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Fardy, or you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com. This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on Newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud and it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on Newstalk. You can get in touch with me, John underscore Fardy is my Twitter handle or you can email me, screentime at Newstalk.com. Good weekend to you all. Hope you're doing well. Surviving the heat. It's quite hot. It's lovely though. No complaints from me. Obviously there's a whole climate change issue but still enjoying the weather. Uh, so anyway, let's move on. In TV this week, I was watching this. We didn't have any choice in any of it. They just did what they did, and we had to take it. That house was in horror show. Must have been lonely. It was what it was. end up in with Hull. I want you to remember who you were at eight. Tap into it. Feel it. Wear it like skin. I don't like that skin. Hull doesn't like his either. Yeah, now that is a clip from Blackbird, which is now streaming, I think there's two episodes so far, on Apple TV. So you have to have Apple TV to get this but I think it might be worth getting it. Who you heard there was Taron Edgerton, and he's playing a guy who goes to prison. They come along to him, the powers that be, the people who put him away, and suggest to him that he could have a sentence commuted if he basically cozies up to a murderer in another prison and finds out details about other murders they have yet to solve. So it's Taron Edgerton changing up his prison life and hoping to befriend someone who appears to be a serial killer. And what you also have is Paul Waller-Hauser plays Larry Hall, this serial killer who's in prison. But what we have as well as the Taron Edgerton character is Greg Kinnear attempting to solve murders and track down this Larry Hall guy who was in police custody before he was ever charged for anything. So it's kind of a two-hander. You have the Taron Edgerton character trying to befriend this guy in prison, but also Greg Kinnear attempting to solve the case. So it's almost two stories. You also have Ray Liotta in his last role, R.I.P. Ray Liotta, playing Taron Edgerton's father, who was a cop and is now worried about his son in prison. Here's the good news, folks. This is great. This is kind of prestige TV making where they have big stars, well-written, you know, as I say, Ray Liotta, Taron Edgerton, Dennis Lehan, he of Mystic River and Shelter Island fame is one of the writers and creators on it. It's this tightly placed, gripping drama. It really is. It might be a little overblown at times, but it's very, very watchable. I think this might be your next TV binge Blackbird, 
now streaming on Apple TV. So you will need Apple TV or to get your hands on it. One thing I was thought about, you know, whenever you see Taron Edgerton, you always, or I do, I can't remember seeing him since Rocket Man, but I was looking at him in this very handsome man. Elton John, on the other hand, isn't. It's just quite funny that Taron Edgerton played Elton John when you think back on it, you know. I guess there's a slight resemblance, but, you know, in terms of the shallow end and the deep end of handsomeness, Taron Edgerton and Elton John are quite far apart. Just an observation. Now, you might think, how can I be so past remarkable? But I'm, you know, I'm also in the shallow end. I'm, I'm closer to ugly than I am handsome. So I can speak on this with some authority. So that's Blackboard, now available on Apple TV, or at least the first two episodes are. Now, take a listen to this. I said stay back. You are kids? Are you German? No, I'm American. Look, I'm a soldier on your side. I'm with the army up at the base. So why are you here? A little injury. Should we call the army? No. No. Look, I'm fine. It's bleeding. Hey, I told you, I'm fine. Like I'm a soldier, believe me. I've been through much worse than a cut leg. So thank you all for your concerns, but your kids can be on your way. Go! You won't see me again. Why don't you want us to call the army? They could help you. Look, I'm really not supposed to be telling you this. But I'm on a mission. A secret army mission. And I can't talk about it, but I need to carry on. So I need you to tell no one. Understand? No one. There are enemy spies everywhere. Yes, that is a clip from The Railway Children Return. A new version, a sequel, not a remake, a sequel, I guess, of the original Railway Children movie, which came out nearly 50 years ago. The original one, you may remember, was three children who were moved to the country from London after their father was arrested on suspicion of being a spy. And this one is set in 1944 at the end, or when we're not quite sure what's going on in World War II, at 1944, and life in Britain is perilous for children. And there's three children, Lily, Patty and Ted. They're sent by their mother from Salford to the Yorkshire village of Oakworth, which is where all the magic began all all those years ago. Now, to meet them on the train station platform are Bobby, Jenny, Agatha, who was Bobby in the original Railway Children movie. She was the young girl. And here she is playing basically a grandmother. So she's reprising her iconic role. Her daughter, Annie, played by Sheridan Smith, and their grandson, Thomas, played by Austin Hines. And with their help, these evacuees are soon settling into their new life in the countryside. However, the children discover the American soldier, Abby, hiding out in the railway station in Oakwood. And they're thrust into a dangerous quest to assist their new friend, who, like them, is a long way from home. This is a very jolly movie, quite sad at times because it is dealing with, you know, children leaving their parents due to war. So there's very modern residences, I guess, as well. But it is a very sweet movie in the way that the original movie was and indeed the TV series. Now, it is starring a lot of British acting royalty, I have to say. Chief among them is Jenny Agatha, who plays Bobby, as I say. She's now a grandmother. Jenny was the woman from the original, she was the girl then, Railway Children. She was in A Werewolf in London. You remember that fantastic movie from the 80s, which I saw when I was far too young? She played the nurse. She's been in all sorts of things. She's been in Avenger movies, The Winter Soldier. She has an OBE. Uh, She has played this character many times in different guises. So I got to talk to her and then her daughter, Sheridan Smith, who's playing the schoolmistress in this version and who's has a 
missing husband, we won't say what's happening to him, and her child is also involved with greeting the new kids. Sheridan Smith is a great English actress. You probably know her. She was Smithy's sister in Gavin and Stacey. She was in a great recent TV show on Channel 5 called The Teacher. She was in Benidorm. She's a brilliant English actress. Here's my chat with Jenny Agatha and Sheridan Smith. Hi guys, lovely to meet you. I've been admiring you both for a long time in your movies and TV shows, so it's lovely to and see me. you. me, longer I hope. <laughs> S- somewhat, but let's not get into that. Uh, Jenny, you know, you've appeared in this version of the Ray Ray Children many times at this stage. So, And I was reading the production notes and they were kind of saying that you were the linchpin for this one happening. They didn't want to do it without you. This story must really mean a lot to you, the fact that you keep returning to it. Not that you shouldn't, but... Uh, but, but first of all, in this case, I'm not returning to the story because it's it's later, but I've returned to a character. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Don't worry, I've seen the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so but, but I want to make that clear because people might not understand that, it, you know, a lot of people still say, um, it's a remake as opposed to it's a sequel. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a sequel and it's some 40 years um, yeah. on, 50 years to make the sequel, one of the longer sequels that it's taken to make. Mm-hmm. But the story was um, a part of my life when I was very young. Yeah. Because it really kind of kickstarted my career and it had a huge opening. And then I went, um, shortly after making it, I went to the States and I was there 17 years. No one mentioned it. It was, it did well there, but it just, just sort of disappeared. And it was only when I came back that it was very present. And then I was asked to play mother in the railway shows. And I thought that seemed to be a very good idea because my life had changed and it was lovely to have the opportunity to play. I was interested in Nesbitt's life to play mother and daughter because they both tell the story. You know, she is the writer in the the book. And that's her story as well. So that was lovely to do. But this is terrific because, um, and I have to say, when I did Railway Children as mother, a lot of people said to me, why did you do that? You're always going to be Roberta in our mind and you've spoiled that. I said, well, but the fact is I've grown up, you know. I've become <laughs> How dare you? You know, that's, that's what life's about. We change yes. and things change and one should do that. And that's what the truth of this, which is that it's a lovely way of connecting a story to something in the past. Um, and for me, it's um, a revisit to something that meant something to me. But it's sure. really in a different time. Yeah. I like the idea. I mean, it, it, it exists on its own. The truth is, it could exist entirely on its own. Completely. But the fact, that, you know, the Studio Canal actually have, you know, they've got this huge library of fam- films, and Railway Children was one of their films. So it's, you know, when we had our, our premiere in Yorkshire, because the film is about to be released, but we had a premiere up there early, and they released uh, in 100 cinemas the Railway Children, the original one, so people could see uh-huh. the, the two of them. But that story belongs at a different time. So to, to revisit it in 1945 and have one character come who has a, has a past to her, I think yeah. just can give them some, some little, it adds something a little bit. But I'm only there briefly, I'm there to hand on the baton. I have a lovely daughter of Annie played by um, Sheridan Smith. Let I, me talk to that lovely daughter yeah, I'm for a minute. Over. I'm talking if, too much. If that's okay. No, no, it's not. It's lovely, it's lovely to hear you, but you know, I have to give Sheridan her speak as well. Sheridan, you play the headmistress in this and there's a father who's missing, let's say, and we won't say any more than that. And you're trying to protect your young son and you get to work with Jenny and this wonderful cast who seem to have a great time. Was this just a no brainer for you to say yes to? 
Oh, absolutely. I was so honoured when I got the phone call. Um, I'd watched The Railway Children with my family at Christmas time and yes. they were huge fans of it. And so when I when I got the phone call and to know that I was going to play Jenny's daughter, you know, it was I was over the moon. So it, it's been a huge honour. It's, it's funny, though, because you start anything, there's a certain amount of trepidation because you're never quite sure how it's going to go. Yes. No, you know no. what the chemistry is going to be, yeah. and one doesn't know how the children are going to be, yeah. and you've got the script. But all films, films can always go wrong. You know, Truffaut and Day for Night says you're, you know, you you start off hoping that it's going to be wonderful. Halfway through, you only hope to complete it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but when you do complete it and it works, then it's lovely. Quoting Truffaut on a, on a uh, Tuesday afternoon, it's impressive. You're clearly not tired of junkets yet, which is good. Can I just ask you one thing, Jenny, because I'll never forgive herself if I don't. I was nine and by accident, I saw an American werewolf in London. Oh, that's so naughty. I know, I know. Believe me, I shouldn't. And it terrified the life out of me. Um, I may not be the better of it yet. Did that film change your life? Um, It's a film I'm really, really pleased to have made. I knew John Landis and his wife before the film was made. And I don't think I'd have done it when I, if I, that's a lovely character to play. So I was thrilled to do that. But, you know, someone trying to explain something that's a horror movie that's also very funny. I don't think Mm. anyone had quite merged those two together. But Landis has such a good knowledge of movies. I mean, he's really, you know, he really knew, knew what he was doing. And I was really pleased to do it and loved it. I had a great time on it. Yeah. Um, he, he's also you have you've interviewed him I'm sure I am afraid I haven't I'm afraid I haven't you should I, I, I wasn't in that day I'm just nearly <laughs> out of time Sharon can I just end with you because I have been watching you a long time and that makes you feel old all the way back to Gavin and Stacey and Ben Adorman all sorts of things but the most recent thing I saw you in was oddly enough you were playing a teacher again in a show called The Teacher. That's a brilliant show. I'm sure Studio Canal would like me to talk about the Raywell children, which I love, but very briefly. uh, The Teacher, was it important for you to do that role? Because it's a very meaty, vaguely controversial role about, I guess, victim blaming and all sorts of things. It was a great film to do, actually. It was um, done in Budapest. We filmed it over there and it was kind of during lockdown. So it was quite challenging, but it was a wonderful part to play. Very different teacher to this film, but... um, Very different. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you were great playing both teachers and it's lovely to talk to you both and Jenny. Is it your birthday? Sorry, you got balloons I should have taken those down. It's actually my son's tomorrow. So we're getting the house They told me to take them down. I thought, you know what? You seem like nice human beings. You wouldn't mind. (laughs) I love (laughs) it. Well, thank you. I'll send them your best wishes. Yes, please do. Thank you, guys. You too. Cheers. Jenny Agatha and Sheridan Smith there talking to me about their role in The Railway Children Return, which is in cinemas, I meant to say, this Friday, the 15th of July. And yes, again, same thing happened last week. I did those interviews. It was someone's birthday in our house. We were on Zoom, my eldest kid's birthday. I hadn't taken down the balloons and they wished him a happy birthday. Now, also in The Railway Children Return, Tom Courtney, he of Billy Liar fame, the loneliness of the long distance runner, the dresser. Uh, He's continued to act all through the years. He's been in everything, TV, the royal family. He was part of the original British new wave of cinema. Now, in this, he plays the kind of avuncular uncle who is uncle to 
to the young Thomas. And also playing the station master in a lovely role is the English actor John Bradley, who I've interviewed before because he was in Game of Thrones, of course, uh, playing Sam, that beloved character. And he plays this quite pedantic station master. And he's actually meant to be a grandson of the original station master from the Railway Children all those years ago. So here's English actress John Bradley a.k.m. Sam from Game of Thrones, and the great English actor Tom Courtney talking to me about their role in The Railway Children Return. And John, I actually met you at a red carpet in Belfast about four years ago for a little show called Game of Thrones. So it's nice to see you again without so many people around. Lovely, nice Uh, to see you again, John. Yeah. Tom, you know, you probably remember, not to age you or anything, but the original uh, Railway Children. And it's kind of become a classic of, I guess, British children cinema in a way. And it's a very kind of emotive movie. And this one is as well about children in crisis of sorts. Did you kind of feel delighted when they asked you to be part of it? Yes, I, I did. I, I'd never seen the film. Oh, okay. There were lots of trailers for <laughs> children stopping the train. Yeah. And there are lots, I remember there were lots of shots of, uh, of Jenny in that wonderful hat she had. So when I was on board, I, we then got, we then saw the film and because uh, I had a new Lionel Jeffries. Okay. Uh, directed it and uh, I thought it was lovely. I thought it was a beautiful film. Yes, indeed it is. And John, your character is interesting. He, he you know, he appears as almost as we call in this part of the world, a jobs worth, uh, you know, who's ticking the boxes. And of course, he's the grandson of the the original uh, guy who was manning the station. But we see more of him and there's a sweetness to him and maybe a sadness that he's not part of of the war effort. Was that the appeal of the character for you, perhaps? Yeah, definitely. I, I think a big part of Richard is his is his frustration. And he is, you know, he is a sweet soul and in many ways an innocent soul, but he really has a spikiness to him. Mm. And he has a, you know, he, he there's there's a defensiveness to him. And and one thing that one thing that I took from Bernard's original creation of Perks was this idea that if he feels that people are making a fool of him, or if he feels that people are not quite giving him the respect that he believes he deserves, he gets very defensive and mm. quite aggressive with people. And I think that that's, that that's born out of that purely justified frustration of wanting to play a part in fighting this war, mm. but not being able to and trying to find ways where he himself can have an impact, even though he's not in France, even though he's still in the village where he grew up by his sort of espionage activities. It's him desperately trying to find a way to contribute. Mm. And I think that I think that, that that that's that's a very sweet thing. And that's something that comes through the whole film, actually, in terms of. You know, wars played out on these vast global stages, but there's something about the role that very ordinary people can play mm. in doing their bit for the for the greater good, if you like. And, the, and that that's we see that through the children, obviously, but we also see that a little bit through Richard as well, in terms of the effect that an ordinary person can have if they have the right spirit and their hearts yeah. in the right place. Yeah, it, it, indeed. And Tom, I, I wonder at any stage where you struck by perhaps, you know, the very contemporary nature of this, the idea of children being put on a train to to leave a war zone. I mean, that's the first mm. thing I thought of. Did, did that strike you when you read the script and saw the film or saw the treatment of it? Well, it struck me since, you know, how mm. relevant it's become because of what's happening in Ukraine. Yeah. But my t- thing about it was that our relationship with America and what should because he, re- you know, he knows about that. He deals yeah. with them that we've been so reliant on 
America in two world wars and how awful the place seems to be at the moment. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And that is represented in the treatment of the young boy. It's racist. Indeed, it very much is. You know, Tom, they uh, in the production notes and often they describe you as the kindly uncle. Uh, I wonder, are you in that stage of career where you offered a lot of kindly parts and avuncular yeah, no, parts? I was a kindly uncle in, um, well, some, in fact, oh, the Sunday Times critic, I can never remember anybody's name, said I was a avuncular. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is, that, was a, that was in Summerland. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's, it's a line. <laughs> I'm happy to be avuncular. I had a moustache in both. It makes me even more avuncular. Yes. But, uh, you know, it's one string to my bow, and they were. Yeah, absolutely. Can I, and uh, John, I'm going to come back to you in one second, but I just have to ask Tom really quickly about, you know, there's all these movies, we don't have time to go into them, but when you came to prominence with things like Billy Liar and The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, when yeah. we look back now, it, it, it's called, you know, British New Wave and Kitchen Sink Drama, and it was, yeah, yeah. cinema was changing in Britain. Did you have yeah. any sense of that at the time that you were part of some kind of movement of, of a new form of British cinema, or were you just doing your job? Uh, oh, no, I knew it, I was something new. It was a sort of uh, the 11 plus mm. exam in England yeah. released all these writers and it released myself and Albert Finney. Mm, exactly. And, uh, oh, I knew it was something new, the new yeah. way. There was a, so much about it and there'd been one in France. So I knew I was part of that. But I also knew that, hold on a minute, I've hardly set foot on, you know, outside drama school. So I, I just want to pull back a bit. And that's yeah. what I did. Okay, John, I'm sorry we're out of time. I had more to ask you, but I, I just I got taken with Tom and his oh. acting history, I'm afraid. So my apologies, but you were no. both. He said were... a lot before, though. Yeah, <laughs> he I, did. I, 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 went, I, went on, I went on slightly very too long. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, lovely to talk to you both. Thanks a million. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, the great English actor Tom Courtney and John Bradley there, who you know from Game of Thrones, talking to me about the roles in the new version, well, the, the sequel of The Railway Children Return, which is in cinemas from July 15th this Friday. Up next, Mark Ryle on the week's new releases. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time News Talks TV and Movie Show. We turn to the week's new cinema releases and this week we are looking at The Grey Man, the new Ryan Gosling action thriller, which is getting a cinema release before it's getting a Netflix release. And there's also the new Javier Bardem movie, The Good Boss. I am joined by my own... No lover? What, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you're going to call me your boss. Um... <laughs> oh, oh! Anyway, how are you? I know. Uh, I'm okay, I'm all right. Yeah, about okay. your illness, you're on the mend. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, okay. Then worse. Yes, indeed. Okay, let's start with the Grey Man. So this right. is Ryan Gosling in a very action-heavy movie, which is getting a cinema release prior to Netflix release. It's a Netflix movie, which usually means they're thinking of Oscars or something like that. But uh, this doesn't strike me as Oscar fair. Not that I didn't like it, but tell us what's going on here anyway. Yeah, uh, it's it's out in the cinemas a week, for a week, and then the next from next week it'll be on Netflix. Um, mm. 
It is. Uh, it's based on. That does usually denote it has to get into a cinema to be considered by an Oscar, right? It does. I don't think that would be the. the I, I can't see that would be the logic behind releasing this to to a cinema. Um, yeah. I, I I I'd be very surprised if it was <laughs> nominated for anything. Um, but anyway, um, it's it's so the Grey Man. It's based on a series of books by uh, the Jack Ryan author Mark Greeny. So mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much where we're at. We're, we're conspiracies and shadowy government agencies. Um, it has Ryan Gosling cutting himself or trying to cut himself a big piece of Jason Bourne pie with a side helping a John Wick. Um, but it really doesn't come close to either of those. He's playing this uh, CIA spook called Sierra Six. Don't laugh. He's sent to Bangkok to assassinate a rogue agent. But before the rogue agent expires, uh, the rogue agent passes on some compromising information uh, to him uh, about one of his superiors, who's played by uh, Reggie John Page from from um, Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Reggie John Page, uh, not wanting the information to get out, sends a, uh, a psychopath played by Chris Evans um, off to kill um, Ryan Gosling. And that's pretty much what is going on here. Yes. And it is high stakes action. It's fair to say. I mean, it's kind of relentlessly full of fight scenes and chases and European set pieces where people are knocking seven shades of you know what out of each other and kind of squares in Prague and places like that. Every 20 minutes. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sensing you didn't enjoy this. Look, um, it's... (sighs) I think to describe it as quite enjoyable would be a bit of a stretch. It's it's ridiculously over the top, and I think ultimately it's it's not very good at all. I think the nicest thing I can say about it is that it's it's mildly diverting. Um, as you said, it looks very impressive, it, it, like Bangkok and Han- Hong Kong and L- London and Vienna. These things, these they all keep on flashing up onto the screen, um, and I think with the extent of perhaps Prague, I think most of those locations were probably done on a soundstage i think they they, this is i've I've seen this before with uh stuff like that last god awful fast and furious thing or the other netflix um action movie red notice we we were talking about a couple Mm. of months back where you know it gives the illusion of high production values but just like saying showing a stock image of croatia or berlin (laughs) and saying you know we're now in 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 berlin it doesn't mean that we are actually in Berlin. Anyway, I, this is kind of <laughs> getting off the uh, <laughs> off the beaten track a bit here. Um, I think um, it's listen. I mean, fair play to Ryan Gosling. He's he's no oil painting, but he hasn't allowed his look to become <laughs> a barrier to his career. Um, and you know, Hollywood is really obsessed with looks. So you know, fair play to him. Um, <laughs> I think the problem with this for me is, apart from like the action note you'll talk a bit about in a second, um, I don't know anything about his character other than he's pretty much unkillable and he likes chewing gum. That's I don't know anything more about this guy after spending two two plus hours with him. Mm. Yeah, that is definitely a, a problem, I suppose. He is, but I mean, the clues in the title, he is the grey man, so we're not meant to know a huge about him. I think he is just meant to be a killing machine. Of course, he does, uh, there's a purpose. He's looking after his former colleague's daughter. That kind of gets into the plot. So he shows some emotion in that regard. Mm, I know. I think he's, I think Ryan Gosling is better at comedy, and I wish he would do more comedy than, mm. than action. Um 
He's fine. I think, uh, the, I mean, the, the cast looks really impressive on paper. Um, where you've got, you know, um, apart from Chris Evans, who's is swinging for the fences as the <laughs> as the as the the, the, the bad guy. Yeah. Um, he, you've got Anna de Armas, who I think is always she's always the most impressive uh, actor in a supporting role in anything I've seen her in. Um, I would love to see her in a, a really decent lead. Um, Billy Bob Thornton, Thornton, I think, is is kind of it, it's safe to say that he's he's pretty much underused in, in, in this. Um, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't have, he, he doesn't have a lot to do. So I know you want to talk about the action in a second, but can I just intervene here? You see, look, this isn't going to change your life. And I suppose I can get the argument. You're saying it's, you know, born light or, or Jason Wick, like or whatever, but for mindless entertainment, I was entertained. And it's interesting. You say the fast and furious because the last one I absolutely hated. Do you remember we were discussing think- that? But that, that was, the, I think that was the only Fast and Furious that either of us had seen. Yeah, but I, I just thought it was utter nonsense because the action just made no sense whatsoever. But I thought this was just the right side of not being too daft that you were, like you were still able to be entertained by it and people weren't just getting into cars for no discernible reason. So yeah. I thought as an action movie, it was quite good. And Ryan Gosling, okay, his character, there wasn't, much to him, but he's a very charismatic presence. You he know? Is. Yeah, no, I agree with you. He is very, very charismatic, and I do enjoy him as an actor. Um, and as I say, I wish he did, he'd do more comedy because he's great at it. Mm. But, 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 yeah, no, I, 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 and yeah, I suppose it's, it, it's not, it's not mindless action. There is, I suppose, cause and effect going on there. My, yeah. my, and there are a couple of things here that I thought, you know what, I haven't seen this before. That, that there's a brilliant action sequence. Um, on a, a tram in Prague yeah, yeah. that was actually shot in Prague. That mm. that was very impressive. Yeah, it was. There's a there's a fight at the towards the end with Anna de Armas um, that I thought, you know what? I thought this is this is something I haven't seen before. But m- mostly, I think the action. It's a selection of good ideas executed quite poorly. I think the the fight scenes in particular they they're more choreographed than. Uh, an Argentine tango on on Strictly, and <laughs> um, they are they are very very choreographed. I mean, you'd have to you would have to agree that they don't look very kinetic. They look like they've been well rehearsed, and you know, there's not. Yeah, much... I suppose. I suppose. Now that you say it like that. The other thing uh, is the 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 action sequences. They're really overworked and they've been overproduced, and they've got a, a very very um, artificial look about them. There's a bit where. Um, Gosling jumps out of a plane without a parachute. Yeah. And I genuinely had no idea what I was looking at. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I was kind of thrilling to see what would happen to him, but, but I know what you're saying. It was very, are they in space? Are they underwater? What's going on? Yeah. I, I, I hear that. I hear that. It's a shame, you know, it's just a waste when, when you, when you go to the trouble of, of, of doing something like that and then you can't tell what is happening. It is, it's a shame. It's it's a waste of, of energy and it's it's a waste of people's hard work. But um, anyway, that's that's where we're at. <laughs> that's where we're at. No, look, I I kind of agree with nearly everything you've said there. But as I say, it was the right side of entertaining for me and not not daft to the point of utter daftness like the last Fast and Furious movie. So now I did think it was like at times I really felt like this is like they're so trying to do a Jason Bourne movie here, like with the European locations and yeah, yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. I, there was a great, I, I did like the kind of fight sequence at the end, but, 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 but anyway, so what would you say stars wise for the gray man? Um, I'm going to give it two and a half. 
Okay. Because I think I think it's 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 kind of average. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to give it three because because I enjoyed it in a non life changing way. Uh, yeah. So that is three for the Grey Man, which will be in cinemas from this Friday for at least a week, uh, the 15th of July this Friday, and it's going to be streaming on Netflix from next Friday, which is the 22nd of July. Now, a uh, different movie is Javier Bardem's latest vehicle called The Good Boss. Unfortunately, I didn't see this, but the aforementioned boss did. So what's going on in the good boss? <laughs> boss. <laughs> boss, boss. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a comedy about uh, people's lives being ruined, which is always hilarious. Um, it, Javier Bardem plays Julio Blanco. He is the owner of a very successful uh, industrial scales manufacturing business. And the, the movie takes place over the course of a very important week for Indu- him. Industrial scales. It's a industrial sexy kind of business, scales. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've yeah. all been there. Yeah. Um, it, anyway, it takes place over one week, and it's a very important week because he is hoping to win um, uh, yet another lucrative industry award for excellence, which is, you know, there's money behind it. Mm-hmm. So he's he's waiting for this judging committee to arrive at the factory and pay a surprise visit, and he's a control freak, and he needs everything to be perfect, but then things start going wrong almost immediately. Okay, I yep. see. So is is it kind of slapsticky? It's not. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. um, it's, it's a very, very mild comedy and it's never laugh out loud. It's one of those comedies where you go, mm, that's that's very clever. That's funny. Um, and it's not likely to produce belly laughs, but I thought it was very, very worthwhile. Um, okay. For a Spanish comedy, I think it's incredibly subdued and restrained. Um, maybe I'm more used to, you know, Pedro uh, Almodovar's, <laughs> uh, you know, really broad farces. But yes. I think it's, this is more Alexander Payne than... than wow, than, okay. Than that. that's, yeah, that's high praise. It is. It is, yeah. And half uh, half the funny stuff is in the scripts, like the misfortunes that befall um, Blanco. But then the other half of the funny stuff is Bardem's reaction to those misfortunes, which is, it's something that you can't put down on paper. And I don't think this would work quite as well as it does if someone other than Javier Bardem was the lead because he's 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 quietly excellent in the role. Okay. Kind of just taking these pitfalls and things that befall him on the chin or reacting very badly to them, or what is it that he does in the face of these bad things it's, happening? He is um He's a char- his character is obsessed with precision and things working as right. expected and everything adding up. I suppose obviously the the, the scales business is a, a very on point uh, choice, hmm. but you know when things start going wrong, it that is good for for us for the audience. It's very okay. entertaining watching a control freak in freefall. Yeah, 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 yeah. And is there a, a, a good cast of interesting characters around him in it? They, I wasn't familiar, apart from Javier Bardem, I wasn't familiar with the other um, actors, but they're they're all they're, they're all very very good. Um, the the title is is definitely ironic. He he sees himself as a as as a as a good boss, and there's lots of speeches about his, his employees being family. But when what he really I think is is into is just controlling people. Okay. And, and that control kind of goes beyond the factory gates and into the personal lives of his employees. And um, he keeps saying that they're family and he's a father figure, but he's a really bad one. <laughs> and there's something very um, mundane and insipid about him that makes him even more threatening than if he if he was an eight and eight monster. Okay. And, uh, it's just a, it's 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 quietly uh, amusing, but it's very worthwhile. Okay. Is there is there a touch of David Brent to him, kind of, or? 
No, 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 no. It's not that kind of. Thank God, there's not this kind of movie. <laughs> but he, he's from what I, the little I read about it, he's a little racist and sexist as well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think you just want me to watch this. Tell me this. What would you say, stars wise, for the good boss? Um, I'm going to give it a four. I thought oh, it was okay. Really enjoyed it in a very, very low key way, but it's okay. It's great. That sounds very interesting then. Okay, well, that's The Good Boss on in select cinemas from this Friday, the 15th of July. He's my boss. Thank you, boss. Talk next week. Thanks, John. Up next, The Dirt Birds on their favourite movies. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time News Talks TV and Movie Show. It's that stage of the week where we talk to someone well-known about their favourite movie. Now for the second time only in the history of this slot, I'm talking to two people. And the last time we did it was two comedians, the two Johnnies. But let's not speak of them now because I am joined by Sinead Colbert and Sue Collins. Important to get the names right. A.K.A. the Dirtbirds. Ladies, thank you for coming to the studio. You're very welcome. Great to be here. Now, how are we going to divvy this up? Who wants to go first with the favourite movie well Sue always takes over so yeah, yeah, um, and she yeah, kind of yeah, yeah so, I so control, it's looking I'm for very attention so uh, <laughs> okay so Sinead we'll start with you <laughs> brilliant I love it <laughs> yeah my my movie choice is Little Miss Sunshine oh, actually oh. yeah a cracker I yeah. absolutely love it so um, why well, because it's about a highly dysfunctional family on a road trip, and I personally can relate to that <laughs> on so many levels. Apologies to any of my family who are living are listening to this. Um, yeah, I just love it. The just the different characters: Tony Collette, the put upon wife. Again, resonates. Uh, um, Greg Kinnear is just fantastic as the the writer of the self help book with the. Um, you know, nine steps on how to be yeah. successful and then he fails at absolutely everything for the entire duration of the movie. Um, and then just all these different characters, her, the, the gay, depressed uncle, Steve Carell. Um, In a brilliant performance. Oh my you know? God. Yeah, what was he? The number one Proust scholar. Proust scholar, Proust yeah, scholar. in America. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and then his lover fell for the... Number, Number two, two Bruce, Bruce Scholar. Scholar. Yeah. We've all been there. It's a common oh, occurrence. Oh, yeah, you know? I can totally relate to that one, being a scholar myself. Uh, so, yeah, so they all go on this road trip, don't they? And uh, for me, it's to bring uh, Olive, isn't it, the little mm-hmm. girl, to this beauty pageant. But for me, the like the best character of, of them all was the, the yellow van that, yeah. they, that they went in. Do you remember oh, that? Brilliant. Oh my God, it just kept breaking down. And I think one of the scenes I cried laughing at was when the horn gets stuck. Do you remember? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could so relate. That's why I love it so much. It's this abstract humiliation and this pain, you know, when you're, everything's falling apart and you just... And with kids in the car. With kids yeah. in the car and there's fighting and the granddad who's been thrown out of the old people's home for taking heroin and sleeping around wasn't that it yeah so, Alan Arkin yeah that's right he was brilliant and it, there's all this fighting in the car and and just the car falling apart which I can totally relate to because my own I have problems getting the window <laughs> well it's funny you say it because it would seem to me now that you s- say it that it's a type of movie that I could see would be the favourite of one of the dirt birds because yes. you do talk a lot about 
family dysfunction and celebrate it in a way. And Little Miss Sunshine celebrates yeah. houses and cars falling apart. It celebrates losers as well, doesn't it? Because yeah. I think it's about winners <laughs> yeah. and winning, yeah. it's winning, winning and losing. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think he's he keeps saying, doesn't he, Greg Kinnear's character, you know, it's all about winning. You know, what yeah. do we do, Olive? What do we do? We keep, yeah. we have to win. You know what I mean? We have to keep yeah. going. And it's it's kind of... I suppose it's that sort of anti. What it does, we do relate to it because that's there. There, that movie is kind of anti-American dream, isn't it? Kind yeah, of yeah. And then we're anti. Was well, perfect? Now she's describing your movie now. Oh, sorry, are you, are you okay with that? See, no, what did see? I say to you? I said she'll find a way to come in and try, but I'm still shining here. You are so very I'm much shining, so. I'm I shining. need shades. <laughs> no. Uh, what was I going to say to you? No, just to, to echo um, what Sue said uh, when she took over my slot um, is that. <laughs> Uh, no, is is just the messiness of life, and you're yeah. right. That's what we loved, and the pain, and the kind of making a mess of mm. everything, you know. And a lot of our stuff is about that, not being perfect, yeah. and this kind of, and being a little bit of a reject, you know. I mean, Sue, I'm not myself, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and I think that's it. So for me, what I loved about it was. The p- sort of, you know, the kind of celebrating being different. Yeah. And, you know, being a non-conformist. Absolutely. And, and I think that's what's so lovely, particularly and for Americans. You yeah. Know I mean? And it's all done in such a humorous way as well. Oh it's such a God, belly laugh. It's absolutely hilarious. You'll appreciate this. For the Batman movie last year or this year, I can't remember, I was interviewing Paul Dano, who plays the teenager. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And the people from the film company were going ape shit because I started asking him about Little Miss Sunshine but oh I had to he was God. sitting in front of me he's the best teenager I've ever seen on screen wow. he's just oh, brilliant he isn't he yeah. well, and beautiful. he took the vow of silence in yeah. the movie that really made me laugh yeah. that was one of the first conversations <laughs> and what was really amazing about the film just I just thought of there is there was this dinner scene do you remember that and it was at the very start of the movie and I remember thinking that's very brave because it was a real character study Yeah. and he hadn't been speaking for six months he just took a vow of silence not because yeah. he was I think it, it wasn't because was he was depressed. I think it was to do with Nietzsche. Nietzsche yeah. yeah, and he just hated everybody. Yeah. Do you remember? He was writing yeah, on the... Yeah, picture of Nietzsche on his t-shirt. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Wonderfully described. Great choice. I better let your colleague, oh, fellow yeah, dirtbird, Sue in. I was just about to leave. She's but, chomping oh, at the oh, bit. Oh, She's chomping turn. at the bit. Again, it's <laughs> another brilliant movie and I can, I can also see that there's a dirt birdism to it maybe do you know what I mean If that, is that an adjective a dirt birdism yes. Yes. a dirt bird relatability yes yeah. dirt bird relatability so your <laughs> favourite movie without further ado is it's with Neil and I oh, I know and like, and my husband was going really that's everyone's favourite movie it was Luke O'Neill's favourite movie it's not mine I don't care if it's everyone it really genuinely is and I, it's one of those cult classics I mean mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of watching movies over and over again like at home when the kids go I want to watch that again let's all sit down and watch it I go really do we have to say but that's the only film I can actually watch over and over again and, yeah. over and laugh every single time yeah. at, at the at, at, we all have our favourite scenes in it mine is which I can't repeat the, the quote obviously for, for obvious which reasons which one <laughs> when bleep, they're in bleep, the bed bleep 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 Monty you terrible bleep oh yes yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Okay, so yeah, I mean yeah. I actually was looking at um, I was looking at clips of it last night again and it just gets me every single time you know Monty's laugh. creeping into the house they don't know he's not supposed to be yeah. in in the in the country house and, uh, and he creeps in the middle of the night and they're both in bed and they're absolutely terrified because they think it's the farmer um, and and he's, first of all, he says to Paul McGann, you know, it's you he wants. It's you he wants. Offer yourself up to him. <laughs> and then they see Monty and it's Monty, you terrible. 
bleep. bleep. So yeah, so that it's it's those kind of moments that everybody. And I actually bought my husband the T-shirt. Um, I've come on holiday by mistake as well. So all those, <laughs> all those really really famous quotes. Can, but I, it's can just, I ask you a question, Sue? The sort of two out of work. Sorry, actors. I'll be asking all the questions. <laughs> She's say, trying to take over you now. Yeah, I know. Just, it's just, insidious. It's, it's, I'm just wondering, the out of work alcoholism. <laughs> I just that's you just said like you know how does that resonate yeah. with the dark well, the out, I mean out of work like we've all there. we've yeah coming up through through the, this business unfortunately uh, it resonates yes. quite, quite I deeply can imagine with myself and my husband but uh, so we, we love it yeah Richard yeah. E Grant uh, who's just ama- they're all amazing superb. but his speech at the end is it's quite well acted when he does well, the Hamlet and all, you know. It is, and it's it's like it's it's kind of um, you know it's it's kind of a breakup movie as well because between two pals, between two pals, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they've they they've hit rock bottom. So the journey is that they've you, you, we sort of it opens with them at rock bottom, yeah. you know, and yeah. and Paul McGann has got a pain in his face with 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 uh, with with nail. Um, and he's sort of saying, you know what I mean? <laughs> like there's there's twelve weeks of washing up. If you remember that scene, where yeah, yeah. Richie Grant decides to tackle the um, the washing up, and 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 uh, Marlo is saying, uh, you know, don't don't go in there. You know what I mean? You haven't slept in sixty two <laughs> hours, and 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 you know it's twelve weeks. So no, I'm going in. He's going. No, there's, there's something growing out of the tea bag. <laughs> so it's all this kind of. So they really are at rock bottom, and you can see. That there, there's there's a there's there's a breakup coming, yeah. and when it comes, it's it's so sad. Yeah. Like you're in tears at the yeah. end of it. Yeah. And actually, the original, your man, um, Bruce Robinson, I think he wrote it. Did you, Bruce Robinson wrote it? Am I right in saying that yep. got the name right? Um, he. Uh-uh. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine? And uh, no, it was Fred McCauley actually. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, but. He had originally written that that he goes and shoots himself, actually, okay. um, uh, which is like a bit heavy. Yeah. But instead, he's he's in he's in Regent's Park, just doing this like incredible yeah. performance. It's in, it's of incredible. Hamlet. Yeah. That's a wonderful choice. Usually, we have longer to talk about the movies, but there's two of you, and yes, I want to get course. to this blistering career that's currently <laughs> oh in motion. God. Oh so listen, God. I want to mention you're playing at the Paddy Power Comedy yes. Festival, which runs from the twenty fourth. 21st to the 24th of yeah. July. Yep. You're also headlining in the Olympia in January for how many nights? Well, at the moment, we're doing three nights, isn't 10th, it? 11th and 12th the 10th, of January. 10th, 11th yeah. and 12th wow. of January. Yeah. So, so we're, we're very doing our excited. Own sh- it's a full show yeah. we do there. So. Yeah. It's growing your gig, it seems to me, right? Because I've been aware of you for a while and I think it's a great lesson and you don't need me to explain your career to you but I think you are becoming more popular simply I mean there's showing on radio shows like this but by word of mouth I think that's what's happening that's discuss great. yeah well discuss. I I think that's I think that's a really lovely thing to say I mean uh, and I think it's very true obviously we're online so people are looking mm-hmm. at our sketches and yeah. all that kind of thing but then I think we've got this live show and it's great crack and it's women coming out in their high heels having their gin and tonics yes. and they, they see their own lives playing out on the stage and and then I think they get a they really do we're very lucky because we get they go online and they review the show mm-hmm. which is incredible and yeah. then it's scary as well because you're going oh geez that's great you know what I mean yeah. but what are they going to say but they're glowing reviews and and I think that's that's the fantastic thing about it it is word of mouth it's mm. women I was talking to Eric Lawler and he was making the joke that you know whenever anyone discusses Fair City with them, they always say, oh, my mother watches it, right? Yeah. Now, and I'm thinking this is kind of pejorative, but it's the truth. I've unfortunately never seen you live. 
But my wife has a couple of times, right? So I'm sorry to be pejorative, but is it mostly women? Yes, it okay. is mostly women. And you know what? We don't That's have okay yeah. with that. You, know why? you like women. Yeah, oh, we love men as well. But I mean, yeah. we, we're women. We wrote about what we know about mm-hmm. writing, you know, female-centric stuff. Obviously, that's what we write about and women love it and they've come, you know, they come to the show. There are some men there and... Dragged, and hiding down Dragged the along, but they do share. love it. Yeah. They, they end up loving it. So it's it's not it's not just... Yeah. No, it's hot. No, no. com- mm-hmm. Funny's funny. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, not, absolutely. It's not purely female comedy, but I think women relate to it the most you yeah. know but we we always have men going to it and they make their way backstage because we're so attractive and uh, groupies no, no they make their way then they, they always make their the way backstage go, oh no <laughs> they make their way backstage and they go there's always this kind of oh my god I was dragged along with my wife and I didn't know what was going to happen and it's absolutely brilliant and then they put up fantastic reviews so we're yeah it is we love men men are welcome I mean don't sit up the front row that's all I'll say <laughs> I've heard that Hide. and then very finally, you know, it's always interesting. You clearly get on very well. But, I, you know, there's a couple of people I've worked with over the years. Controlling, controlling. You get very friendly with them and you're working together. Do you have to kind of go, we're going to take a week where we don't see each other because we've just oh, been doing a tour? Or? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, we're that too... That was a bit too much, Sue. You don't mind saying, oh, yeah. No, Big time. Oh, there's no, cracks look, showing, we, there's we, cracks we, showing. We've been actually working together for about 14 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we worked in various scripts together before. We posted our first sketch in 2016. So, but we've been working on a script that was actually championed by BBC for a few years. Um, didn't get made in the end, unfortunately. Yeah. But it was great learning and we... Oh, it's we like all, a masterclass in we, comedy yeah. writing. So we were writing together and never, we never performed, we performed before that. I was doing stand-up and I was in the Nulas and all that kind of stuff. But we... So we actually had never, you know, gone on stage together and it was actually all very organic, wasn't it? Because we posted yeah. the sketch in 2016, mm-hmm. that kind of took off. So the sketches got, and suddenly the fa- it was the fans went, when, when's the live show? Mm. And we went, what? Oh, yeah. we have to write a show now. Oh, right. Okay. And we, we launched that in February 2017 or something. Yeah. Um, now, I will say to answer your question, I decided to go camping and then with my husband and children and all of a sudden, Sue decided to buy a tent and go camping. So she is following me. Yeah. <laughs> around She's the country. sort of stalking me. It's getting a, a bit, little bit. Yeah. So Well, listen, if you could keep it together in time for the Paddy Power Comedy <laughs> Festival, that would be great. Sinead's favourite movie is Little Miss Sunshine. Sue's is with Nail and I both great movies a great comedy act I urge you to go and see them my wife can be testament <laughs> to that thank you very much The Dirt Birds thank you so much Thanks. thank you can I give you some advice well I'm going to give it to you anyway I don't want you making the same mistakes I made when I was young can we hear this Dwayne that's your name right Dwayne this is the voice of experience talking are you listening a lot of women, Dwayne. Hey. Not just one woman. Dad. A lot of women. That's enough, right? Are you getting any? Dad. You can tell me, Dwayne. Are you getting any? Come on, please. No? Jesus. Right. Hey, I will pull this truck over right now. So pull the truck over. You're not going to shut me off. You, I can say what I want. I still got Nazi bullets in my head. Ah, the Nazi bullets. A clip there from Little Miss Sunshine. I wasn't sure whose favourite movie 
to choose, but uh, I went with Little Miss Sunshine. And before that, you heard me talking to the effervescent, the dirt birds about their favorite movies and their burgeoning comedy career. And as I say, they're playing at the Paddy Power Comedy Festival in the Ivy Gardens in Dublin from the 21st to the 24th of July. You can find out more dates on their website, dirtbirds.net. That's it for this week. My thanks to Anne-Marie Kane, who helped out on the show. Just remind you, this show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5 p.m. on Newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6 p.m. right here on Newstalk. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a safe week ahead. Take care and we'll do it all again next week.